Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fireside Outdoors, where we talk about anything and everything involving the outdoor world, whether that be shooting sports, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, you name it. Just being in the outdoors is the goal. That's what we want to do. We want to connect with nature, uh, connect with God, the creator, and connect with those around you. Bring them into nature so they can do the same thing with connecting with people, connecting with God, and connecting with nature. It's a great stress reliever. It's a way to get out and do something different. And I've got several things lined up today. I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, We're going to be talking about where is the ammunition? Um, there's a lot of speculation about where ammunition is going right now. We're not seeing it on the shelves, especially like we had been seeing before COVID hit us in, um, around March of 2019, or I'm sorry, 2020. Got my years all mixed up. And we're also going to be talking about the Real Foot Lake murders involving some waterfowl hunters. We'll talk a little bit about the details of what we, what we know right now. And of course, some speculation and, and kind of my thoughts on what's going on with, with all that stuff. I'm not involved with that, but, but I do have some ideas. Um, I also will be bringing to you a book that's, that's printed by Don Kurtz. And it's Missouri's Natural Wonders Guidebook. If you don't have it, I'm going to tell you where you can find it. I'm also going to talk a little bit about what's in that book and how it can be useful to you. Again, thank you for being here. Stay tuned. I'm going to be back right after this sponsorship message. Hey, guys and gals. Thank you for listening to Fireside Outdoors and taking a brief break for the sponsorship from Anchor. And that's an app that I use Um, I use the website anchor.fm to record these podcasts and it's a great tool, recording tool, but I've just noticed I'm having some issues with if I record over 16 minutes or so, it doesn't want to upload. So I'm going to try to keep these in short seven minute sections and um, go from there. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about ammunition. Ammo seems to be in hot commodity right a hot commodity right now and in short supply. So that drives the demand up. So why are we having such a problem with ammunition? Well, if we listen to conspiracy theorists, we would believe that warehouses stocked full of ammunition are just sitting around the nation, maybe even around the world, and the ammo is just sitting there wasting away while we hurry up and try to buy as much as we can. A classic supply and demand issue is happening to where the supply is so low and demand is so high that the manufacturers can't simply just keep up. And why is that? Well, some people would want you to believe that the government is buying up all the ammunition. Um, Other people would want to tell you that the manufacturers are simply just shut down. Um, But I'm here to tell you that I have looked at articles, I have watched videos, I have done as much reading as possible trying to figure out what the issue is. And it seems to me that manufacturers are processing but at a slower rate because of the COVID restrictions in different states. Manufacturers really need to be looking at the states that are open right now and 100% open. I'm talking the states that uh, that have the fewest restrictions when it comes to COVID, they need to pay attention to that, and that's where they should build some new facilities. If you are a manufacturer in the state of California, for example, 
you would be completely shut down, almost to non-existent. And that's not okay whenever your business relies upon your employees being able to come to work. Of course, you want to do this safely. But also, when you have customers, retailers like myself, that aren't able to purchase the product. And so I see that most of the ammunition, the small business ammunition stores in the state of California simply aren't operating because the state won't allow them. Even though they are essential, um, they, they are considered an essential business, they are still limited so much in what they're doing as far as allowing employees in, how many employees and how many hours they're allowed to work. That ammunition is being really hard to, to come by. If you want to look up a guy by the name of Jason Vanderbrink, he is the president, CEO of Vista Outdoors, and he runs the ammunition side of the business, which Vista is well known for ammunition. They operate Federal Premium, CCI, Spear, and of course, now Remington Ammunition. And Vista Outdoors has purchased Remington in the understanding that when Remington went out of business, it really hurt the firearms industry. Ammunition, just in general, went down significantly, which told me that Remington had a bigger part in the ammunition ammunition trade than anybody really understood, or at least that I understood at the time. Once Remington went under, Vista was able to acquire them through whatever, some sort of mitigation process, but they were able to, um, they're starting to ramp up the business and they want to make sure that they focus on primers and ammunition. That's that's where Remington's headed. Uh, I would be surprised if we see Remington firearms um, anytime in the near future because the, the CEO has said that he's going to focus Remington on ammunition sales. That being said, in April, it's my understanding that in April, the Little Rock plant will be up and running and We'll, we'll be producing at 100% capacity as long as Arkansas continues to allow that. They will be pr- producing at 100% capacity on the, on the ammunition side of things. So it's looking good for Remington Ammo. It's also looking good for the ammunition industry if Remington can get up and, and run at 100%. Another thing that I see going on is that the ammo is not getting to the shelves. And my understanding is, based upon the distributors that I use in my retail business, Um, I'm getting a box or two at a time of ammunition that before COVID, I could have gotten cases at a time, no problem. And even in the early months of COVID, if I was smart, I would have been, I would have bought cases upon cases of ammunition when it was available. Now it's simply not the case because I'm getting boxes at a time, you know, boxes of 20 and 50. So it's really a problem whenever your retailers can't even get it from the distributors because the distributors aren't getting it from the manufacturers. And so it's simply not making the shelves, which makes it quite frustrating for hunters, um, target sports people, anybody in the shooting sports industry makes it very difficult to practice and to perform. If you're a professional shooter, it makes it very difficult for law enforcement to train. It just, it's really hard on, on just everybody in the outdoor industry. So, um, you're not the only one suffering. Make sure you know everybody. Everybody is having trouble with this, and um, when your distributors are having issues, that's when you know that there's a serious problem. And and you know, just like in everything else, I guess we can blame COVID, but we can also blame the idea that that because a Democrat or a liberal liberal policies are becoming are are, are thought to be coming in place, 
that it scares people so bad that they buy up all the ammo and all the firearms that are available in the market today. That's a scary thought, that, that it takes that kind of political pressure in order for all that just to disappear. And, uh, you know, we can go on forever about that. I don't want to dive in too deep on the politics of it, but I just want you to be aware that it's going to turn around. It might take a year. It might take, uh, uh, hopefully, in just in a few months, we'll see a, a boost but it could take up to a year for everything to kind of turn around. And who knows with um, liberal politics the way they are. And, and if some of these bills pass in the House and the Senate in our, in our United States Congress, what that might do to the industry as well. So stay tuned. Hold on to your boots. Um, it could get a little rockier, but I just, I just can't imagine that it can get much worse than it is now. Let's take a short break and we'll be back. All right, welcome back. We're going to move on to a top story out of Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, and Arkansas over at Real Foot Lake. If you haven't been following the news, you then you probably don't know much about this place. But Real Foot Lake has hit the news in the most recent, uh, in the last week or two, um, because a, a double murder has occurred over there over a waterfowl hunting issue. And as silly as that seems to me, apparently that is a major problem in the Real Foot Lake area. Now, a little history about Real Foot Lake. Real Foot Lake, I'm not sure how many acres it is, but it was created when in the early 1800s when a series of earthquakes happened on the New Madrid Fault. And so this lake was formed. It's a shallow lake, so the treetops are sticking out. It's a great fishery for crappie and panfish. Um, they have smallmouth, I'm sorry, largemouth bass tournaments over in that area. And I know one local Van Buren person who typically goes over there and, and fishes in some of those tournaments. Um, it's a great place if you like to crappie fish in the springtime or if you want to go over and just catch some panfish um, for you know any kind of recreational purposes. Um, Real Foot Lake is also home to a great waterfowl hunting spot. And over the years, um, the TWRA, the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, has taken over management of that property. And some of the blinds, the, the layout blinds that are permanently established there are private some of them are up for public lease. Now to lease a, a blind you have to put in for a draw and basically through a lottery process you get the rights to that blind for the year. Some families have been able to keep those rights for several years and you can imagine that with that responsibility or even that opportunity they feel a claim to the property. So with that being said some issues have arisen um, with the, uh, the idea that I own this or I've hunted here for many years. Now I hear that same story when it comes to deer hunting here in the Ozarks, even turkey hunting, people lose their minds over an animal just because they want to hunt a certain spot or they have their favorite place that they've been going to for many, many years. And so as ridiculous as that sound again, it does happen. Now what we have to remember as sportsmen and sportswomen we have to remember that we represent something greater than just the kill. And most of us learned in hunter education that there are multiple levels of a hunter and simply being the, the trophy hunter or the, um, the limiting out stage is not really where we need to be. We need to be in the, in the out there for the adventure, out there for the process, just to be out there to enjoy nature and be a part of the experience. 
that's really hard to do, to be able to pull yourself back from the, the intense, um, the drive to be successful, the drive to kill the biggest deer or the biggest tom or, um, you know, conquer the whatever whatever the drive is the the passion that we have for the outdoors it's really hard to pull yourself back and realize that you're out there for a higher purpose we have to remember that our kids are following in our footsteps we have to remember that everything we do reflects everybody else in the outdoor industry if we act a fool in a hunting situation that makes other hunters look bad especially when it's done with somebody who isn't a hunter it's simply like it's not uh, it's not really ethical for you to be driving around town with your tailgate down with your truck bed full of dead deer. Whether you were the one that killed them all or they were all legal, it doesn't matter. It really isn't the place for us to do that, to parade around like we have harvested and just annihilated the deer population in our small little town. A lot of people aren't going to see that as being a positive thing. And I certainly would be one to say, listen... You need to knock that stuff out. You're making everybody look bad. And so over on Real Foot Lake, there are two guys that end up being shot and killed over a waterfowl hunting issue. A 70-year-old man named David Vowell ends up shooting two young uh, 20-year-old mid-20s, shooting and killing these two men. And I'm not sure. There's a lot of questions that I have. Um, I'm not really sure what sparked the issue, but it's apparent that this man used, used his boat to pull up to the blind where these young men were hunting. There was three of them in the blind. And he proceeded to load his shotgun and then fire upon at least two of them. The third man, Mr. Crabtree, was able to get the firearm away from Mr. Vowell and um, ended up hitting him in the face with the firearm and then tossing the gun into the water. And I, I assume at that point Vowell falls into the water himself or falls into the boat and the young man takes his two friends who are injured at the time and takes them over to the boat ramp or to the, to the shore to try to get some help. And both of them succumb to their injuries. And later they find Mr. Val in the water as well. A couple days later, after a, a extensive search, they find him in the water as well. And he has passed away. So there's a lot of questions that I have. I'm sure that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations is doing their due diligence on following up on some leads and some witness statements because somebody out there has to know the answers. And unfortunately, dead men tell no tales. And so we can't find out exactly what occurred except from this uh, Jeremy Crabtree. And uh, I think I've got his name right. I think it's Jeremy. But I have some questions for him. I think it's very interesting. Um, it's definitely a case that there's going to be kind of like an onion. You're going to have to peel all the layers back and figure out what instigated it, what started it, what stopped it, um, what role did Jeremy have in it, um, and was there a longer story. If you go back to, um, there's some forums. Uh, if, if you search in Google, you can search up uh, Real Foot Lake forums, Um and I can't remember the title of it. That's silly. I can't remember it. But anyway, there's a forum that's about 118 pages long that goes over some history just within the week before the shooting and then following, of course, up until today, um, the history of some of the issues going on at Real Foot Lake. And there's a real problem. And unfortunately, they're going to have to get their hands on it and, and try to fix the problem. Or this could be a common occurrence over the years. 
once these types of chaotic um, events start happening, it's really hard to rein them back in. And so I, I know that they don't want these types of, uh, especially a murder to happen or any kind of in- incident like this. Um, I know they don't want that to happen. And I'm sure that Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency will do something to to try to mitigate some of those issues. Uh, we're going to take a brief break and I'll be right back. All right, the last thing on the list today is I want to tell you a a resource that you can use in order to get back in the outdoors, to take your friends and your family to places that um, everybody's going to have good memories about, create great experiences, and be adventurous. There's a book called Missouri's Natural Wonders Guidebook, written by Don Kurtz. He's the one who did the research. Some of the illustrations are taken by other people, of course. Um, but it goes through a hundred different places that you can experience the outdoors and nature in Missouri. And of course, it covers a broad array of places from northwest Missouri all the way to the boot heel. And some of those places are right here in the Ozarks, right here in my backyard, exactly. And so um, down here at Van Buren, we have the Current River. And along the Current River is the National Park Service, Ozark National Scenic Riverway. And one of the greatest places in the nation, I believe, in order to experience anything and everything involving nature, the outdoors, shooting sports, and you name it, you can do it here. We have one of the most beautiful rivers in the United States that many, many people come to. Um, Our community is a tourist-based community. Um, We definitely over double our population in the summer months. And so... Um, This book can lead you and guide you through places. Um, It can actually take you on a journey if you want to and start an adventure by checking off all these different spots. There's a hundred of them. They cover historic sites, natural areas, refuges, um, what we call ranches, conservation areas, state parks, and many, many more. Some of the places that I find the best, I guess, would be Alley Spring. Big Spring, Rocky Falls, Round Spring. We've got Steagle Mountain Natural Area, which is a great place to take your kids on a little hike, especially in the springtime. If you go in April and May, you're going to hear turkeys gobbling. You're going to get to see some eastern collared lizards out on the rocks, sunning and basking in the sun during the day. It's just a really neat place to take your family. Elephant Rock would be another favorite of ours. We like to go in the early fall when the weather is just, just right a little bit cooler temperatures and climb around on the elephant sized rocks that they have. That's going to be up around pilot knob. So get this book, Missouri's natural wonders guidebook. You can find it online, amazon.com. You can also go to a national park service headquarters building here in Van Buren and purchase this book. And I believe you might be able to find it at some Missouri conservation, especially education centers where they sell publications. Um, This book runs about $20, um, but it can take you on an adventure that you will never forget. Remember to get those, get people out in the outdoors, Um, get your family out there, take your kids, um, your spouse, your loved ones, get them outside and enjoying nature, connecting with each other, connecting with nature and connecting with your creator. Well, that's going to wrap this up. I thank you for sticking with me and I apologize for the breaks and the time. Um, I'm going to have to work out some issues with the length of a recording segment. 
But next week, I'm going to be on the slopes of Winter Park, Colorado. Me and a friend will be out there skiing, and um, I'll bring a show to you from the slopes themselves and let you know about our experience out there. Thanks for listening to Fireside Outdoors. I hope you've enjoyed. Remember, the adventure begins here, and we'll see you next week.